You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. We got to talk. Okay. We got to talk. How do I put this? My dad. Okay. My dad is a huge fan of our show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he's a huge fan of me and he's a huge fan of you. That's uh, kind of him. Separate from the show together. Every, every episode comes out. He calls me as soon as it launches on Monday. He listens and calls me with his, his thoughts and tries, you know, almost every time. I have the same conversation with him and I say, I'm going to address it with Nick. I'm going to bring it up. We're going to work on it. He says, you guys are great. Uh, you know, the dynamics really good. What you're saying is really interesting. Typical dad stuff. Uh, the one thing is that Nick has a filthy fucking mouth. <laughs> and as soon as he told me the first time I started listening for it, it maybe it was even last episode. I realize just in the cold open alone, most people use um or like, but nope. you just straight up. Listen, fucker, don't fucking do this. Are you insane? What's wrong with you? Get fucking help. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, I think that what it comes down to is I just, I love the word. I really, it's because there's one particular swear. Now, see, now I'm, now I'm conscious about saying it. There's one particular swear that I love that starts with an F and ends with a uck. I mean, fuck, man. Maybe I'll just bleep it out for this episode. Bleep Maybe it? Maybe every time you say it, I'll bleep it, and then you can listen back, and you can know... How often I've said it. How often you say it. Because it's a, it's a lot. You know what, and then Alex? the fuck, fuck, fucking fuck, fucker, fuck. Fuck. Fuck, fuck. My dad's gonna love this one. Little Justin. Little Justice, Little Justice. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) welcome, welcome, (laughs) welcome to Little Justice, this thing we do, our film analysis podcast. I am Nick Walker. I'm Alex Smolo. We are so thrilled to be back here. Uh, I will work on the swearing, Mr. Smolo. I will work on it. It's a thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And and, and I've actually noticed it. And especially because so on my other, I have um, have another show that shall not be named. Because uh, we don't talk about that show here, but I oh, you I, can do it. It's uh, you know, it's fine. So You're I have my favorite show. Shut up! I have a show called The Chaos Twins on uh, on Broadway Broadway World, and uh, I noticed that you know one of the things that they actually talked to me about, like the first thing, was like, "Hey, 
Can you cut back on the swearing for this one? (laughs) I'm glad to know that I'm not alone in this. (laughs) No, everyone's brought it up. So I can, I can certainly cut back, but also, you know, it. I hope you beep that out. Did you beep that out? I hope you beep that out. Yeah, man, here we are back again to analyze another set of movies, talk about another theme. We have a very, 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 very special guest. I cannot. Very special. I cannot uh, undersell this guest. I mean, he or oversell rather. He is just just a, a wonderful man. We met him through our love of the Disney parks. He is a family man, a, a, an art, artistic man, a wonderful, wonderfully minded man. Um, Just so Blessed to have him on here. AJ Miller, how you doing, buddy? Wow. Man, I feel like I'm on one of those uh, radio shows where they give you the awesome introduction that you can absolutely not live up to. You can. Yeah, eventually I'm going to have to get one of those soundboards so I can be playing sounds for when we introduce people. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what your sound would be, what AJ's like intro sound effect. It would, it would probably be... Yeah, exactly. I'll find some stuff and edit it in. All right, so Nick, cue him back up. All right, I love it. So ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited to have this guest on today. He is just an incredible person, has worked all over in the entertainment and tourism and travel industries. He is just one of our favorite people, the one, the only, AJ Miller. Wow. I, I don't even know. What, I, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'm sure I just put way too much work into that. You know what? <laughs> you <put> so <laughs> <much work. laughs> You're introducing me like a pro wrestler. Do I need like a <laughs> Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Jeez. AJ, AJ, how are you doing over there, man? How's things in this in this COVID, COVID universe? Uh, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not too much of a homebody, or at least I didn't think I was. And being at home has been, uh, it's been great, you know, getting the opportunity to spend a bunch of time with my wife and my kids has been awesome. I learned that I am not cut out to be a uh, third or first grade teacher. Mm. That is not my calling. Nothing against those guys. I believe they're all saints. And, you know, my kids both had amazing teachers, but, um, you know, there's just a lot that you forget. Uh, you know, after a couple of decades of not going over basic math, I feel like a complete idiot. But, uh, you know, it's it's been great. You know, trying to keep them busy has been, you know, at front of mind for us. But, you know, it's, it's like anybody else, right? We're all afraid a little bit and or maybe a lot bit, you know, and it's just, you know, hey, wash your hands. Like, God, how disgusting were we as a society? Oh, th- thinking back on it now, yeah, I'd never wash my hands before things. Like, everyone's going to have the best habits now. Well, think about it too, right? Like, all those people that, you know, if you're in a public place and they walk out of the bathroom without washing their hands, <sighs> like, okay, naturally you are disgusting anyway, but oh man, like, what else are you carrying with you? That's, I'm looking at that stuff. It really now. makes me want to, so. I mean, I, so we've bought a lot of surgical gloves here, like, not, not, you know, hospital grade but just like you know nice like little gloves to wear to the supermarket or whatever and honestly like i'm thinking that when i go back to you know when it finally comes time to go back to public places along with masks i'm definitely gonna want to put that into effect as well because i'm just like you know you just don't know like you're touching guardrails touching hammer like there's nothing wrong with like a good pair of gloves especially to make them fashionable 
am I alone in this? Am I alone in the glove wanting? Or is there is no? There... I think I think the gloves. I think that'll happen. I, and the same with masks. You know, I feel like the masks may just stick around. Yeah, and become sort of a fashionable. You know, a new item. Oh for yeah, people to just have, which is crazy. I, I've gotten a little too into the mask thing, to be honest with you. Got you got a collection. Um, well, <laughs> I. Yeah, I do. All right, I'll admit it. Jeez. Um, you know, I thought I'd be pretty awesome and buy some Lakers masks. I'm a pretty big Laker oh, fan. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you spend the money on them. They take forever to get here. And yep. then they don't fit. So, Oh, no. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, I kind of have, I guess I have like a weird head. And, and my no. ears are. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, you know, floss <laughs> from Goonies or anything like that, but you know, like, just, they, they don't fit. So I've gone to the, uh, the gator style. Yep. The, that yep. pullover yep. thing. That's what I was about to say that, you know, so the, much easier. The, and have Alex, do you, have gator you gator style? No, explain this to me. Yeah. It's basically like a turtleneck. It just kind of slides on over your head instead of, Oh your... yeah. I, so people wear these like skis. Yeah, exactly. I have, so I, gotcha. I have, the gators are my favorite thing. Sarah gets, so when I first bought gators, uh, Sarah, who sends her love to you, AJ, by the oh, way. Love her. She, yes, she, no, she's. Me too. Shut up, Alex. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she was so mad at me because she's like, she's like, Nick, you're just going to get overheated with that gator on. And I was like, no, like it's, it's going to be chill. And she's like, no, you're just going to get overheated. And then we were, were walking around the neighborhood, you know, with our, and she has her mask and I have my gator. And she, she, I could just see her Loki getting mad at me. We had bought these like beers to walk around with, and she kept having to like remove her mask and like to take it off and put it on. And I just pulled down my nice little gator and took a nice little sip and then pulled it back up. It was so simple. And she was like, "This is bullshit." And I was like, "Yeah, well, the gator." <laughs> it's a definite thing how to how to drink with masks on. We've been to a couple out you know restaurants. They sit you outdoors, far away from people, but like you really can't have a mask and also be consuming things no you can't at all at well all. and i mean your wife is amazing so shout out to sarah she's one of the best um yeah you thought you were gonna overheat but like don't you wear leather jackets in the summer that's Isn't exactly that lest we forget my fashion <laughs> knows no temperature um <laughs> trench coats leather jackets everything wool Every, wristbands you, you remember like, you, you remember those trench coats back in college I, oh, oh i do have Oh yeah, I used to wear. AJ used to wear. So me and uh, you don't know this, I, or maybe you do know this, but me, I used to basically live on Alex's couch. I was literally the dude on the couch in Alex's home. I don't. I'm very concerned. In like a ratty old trench coat. And I used to. Oh my god, it would be great. It, what a great time that was. And this was like a 400 square foot apartment with three people already living there. Yeah, I'm very confused as to why. Yo, I have no idea. My room was was quite literally it, I, the oh measurements. My, it, it, was, was it was ten by six, I think. You made Something that like work. That. You made that work so well. Yeah. Needless to say, there should not have been a six foot two man in a trench coat on the couch. <laughs> there for and like yet, weeks at a time. Welcome to New York. <laughs> welcome to New York, buddy. Welcome uh, to New York. Very East um, Coast. Very, very East Coast. Supremely. Um, speaking of East Coast, you of course are like Alex, based on the West Coast. The uh, the thing that we share in common uh, the th between the three of us is our love of the Disney parks. We, we, we met AJ at the Disney parks. AJ knows a lot of behind the scenes things, the Disney parks um, and, and has made our Disney experience on so many uh, times, uh, you know, just a wonderful place um, just because of his knowledge. And, and I just have to acknowledge that because some of my favorite memories uh, at those Disney parks are with these two gentlemen 
who I'm on the line with right now. And I wish that we were there. I wish that we were back. I think about it more than I should. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, and that's that, that's actually something to be really proud of. You know, there's been a lot of discussion or I, don't, I wouldn't even call it discussion, but, you know, there's definitely some uh, opinions about, you know, adulting at Disneyland and, yep. or, you know, Disney parks in general. And, you know, look, here's here's my take. If Please. you go somewhere and you have a great time doing it, then like don't kill somebody's buzz because that's yep. what they like to do. You know, yep. I mean, you could definitely be doing way worse things like anything else. It's not perfect, but, you know, it is a place where people can go and they can, you know, kind of escape what they're going through. A lot of people do that, you know, and having spent a lot of time there specifically, you know, and meeting people and hearing the stories it's definitely an escape for people. And I admire that, you know, it's one of the great benefits of getting to be in that kind of environment regularly is that you get to meet a really awesome cross section of people who are all different. And to be fair, that shapes how you look at the world. You know, I'm not the same person I was, you know, when I got into that environment, you know, 25 years ago. I mean, there's other benefits too. getting to share a lot of those awesome experiences, you know, with friends and family is great. You know, it's great for you guys. It's great for them. You know, my kids love going. And, you know, when you do it a lot, and I think you guys feel this, and it's suddenly not there, it's a little empty, right? It's you know, you're thinking like, oh my empty. God, like, you know, going to the park and walking around is cathartic for some people. And it is for the, for the people that work there as well. You know, you guys mentioned, you know, being around me and uh, meeting me there and having some experiences. And, you know, I'm not able to do what I do without thousands of other people there that do way more than I do, who have jobs that are way more important than mine. Right. But it really takes all of us working together to create even just one memory. You know, I share a story with people that I work with about how you should look at interactions, right? If somebody is showing up, you have to make the assumption that they saved their whole life to come for one day. And that's how serious you have to take those interactions, you know? And if you don't, then you could be robbing someone of an opportunity to have an amazing time or build memories that will last forever for them. And you also rob yourself of the opportunity to experience that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that all comes through. I've, haven't spent as much time at like the universal parks or anything, but like the, the difference to me, you know, I call it attention to detail, but it, it's more just like, it's, it's a broad in every single aspect when you're there. Uh, it's what you're saying where it, it, it is paying attention to the experience that you're having, right? It's making sure that, that every thought you're having is trying to envelop you in the experience and make things a little more immersive, make things a little better. It's real storytelling. That's, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it's, it was. Yeah, it's storytelling because that's that. I think you know Alex talking about the difference. I think I was just you know a couple couple weeks ago I was on the the the, the Dreams Unlimited Travel podcast, which is uh, is a podcast that's uh, an affiliate of the Diz, which is a big Disney World Disneyland podcast, and they talk. They also talk about Universal, but one of the things we talked about is like how because Disney has so perfected this you know the sense of storytelling, right? you know, the universal, I love universal and it's amazing, but like, that's not, you know, that kind of immersion is not necessarily what they do. And that's, and that's fine. And that's what they're, you know, 
kind of it's kind of reflected in in how they they run the park like you know it's it's um walking in especially in the one in orlando like you know it's 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 a, some people say it's a lot more adults but i would just say it's like yeah it's a lot more kind of choose your own adventure in a way like you just you know you're you're at this cool place that has like good drinks and salty food but also happens to have this amazing theme park with theming and you know in harry potter world and all these all these wonderful rides and the magic of the movies and all that stuff but disney land and world from from the moment every every ounce of your experience is curated and there is just such a feeling even on the worst day that I've been there, there's been such a feeling that I've just been taking that I'm t- taking care of, and that that my experience is valued and and that the joy on my face is valued and like I it's not you know I I also traveling in a crew with me and the people that I choose to go to the parks with none of us are you know uh, I know this term is flo- floating around right now but I'm gonna say Karens like none of us are those people who are <laughs> trying to go up to people and and make their you know, and be like, I didn't get this on my birth. Like, we're not those, you know, we're not going to ask for anything. We're just happy to be there. And I think that it's, I think that we as, you know, as kind of the guests have that responsibility as well to like, if you can just go and just open your mind to this thing, it really is just like a place where you can just play. Like, that's what's just fun. I think the difference too, because uh, people who don't go, because you look at it from the outside and and Disney being this corporate giant um, and theme parks in general being you know, there's sort of a stereotype of them being like, oh, like they're way too expensive. They're there to just like have you buy things from gift shops and food is is overpriced, all this stuff. Like there's this this essence unless you're there of like, oh, like that it's it's a money sucking enterprise. Um, what Disney does really, really well, the theme parks is it it doesn't feel like that. Like anytime it's dealing with a brand, there are really no brands in the park, right? The Starbucks is even disguised as another thing. Um, and you're not, you know, you don't know it's a Starbucks till you're in there. They don't make you feel like your customer, right? They don't make you feel like you're there to be, to open your wallet up to them. They make sure that, that the actual life of the park is genuine and mm-hmm. all the business stuff is floating around outside of it, which I think is, is very hard to do. Um, and, and it's impressive. Well, mm. and it is a business that I think that's very another much. thing that people have to understand too. Right. And, you know, it's really hard to, put yourself in the shoes of, you know, Walt Disney, let's say, right. You know, Walt Disney was Walt Disney. He had a dream and he was pretty amazing, right? If he doesn't have the courage to pursue the dream, then, you know, think about the memories that don't happen. Now you, one could also argue that there would have been another medium to enjoy, you know, things like what we produce and provide, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm really about the purpose and intent, right? So here's, here's a good, here's a good example. I experience a lot of really cool things, you know, being there reactions from people. Those are always the the best things looking around, you know, in a crowd of thousands of people and seeing smiles and happiness. And, you know, um, I'll share a story that you guys were at, um, you know, we go and, you know, Nick, while he's, um, Aaron Burring, comes yep. to the Anaheim Park when you guys were in Costa Mesa, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the second time that you, you probably came more than that, but the second time that I had interacted with you and um, your wife, Sarah, had a moment meeting Black Panther. That yes. was, it was, I was there. It was, yeah. you were there. It was literally the thing that it's, it's that, you know, cake and ice cream moment where you're yep. like, 
oh my God, like I'm watching someone do this that is so excited, right? To, to meet this character because of the emotional connection for a lot of reasons, right? That was, that was cool for me, you know, and and for you guys, it was cool, but it, it's just, I don't know, man, it's the emotional connection is what gets you and that's okay. You know, like anything else in the world, there are going to be things that folks can criticize and Disney's not above that, but they try at least from, you know, from my seat, the people that I work directly with, they care a lot and they take it personally. And, you know, I was reading on the internet the other day about some criticism about how people take what they do professionally so seriously, right? Like you don't get any of that money. You know, you're not the owner. Why do you care so much? And, you know, it kind of made me laugh out loud because I'm thinking, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I do care a little too much. And then I roll everything back and go, but that's what makes us special. That's what makes and us I, And I assume that most or all of the people who do work there are also fans of the, like they would go even if they weren't working there, right? They appreciate what it is. Some would. I, I would, I would say that. I think that's fair. Some most certainly would, you know, and th- it, it's, it's kind of like this. They, the culture and atmosphere, it's great. You know, there's a lot of younger, older folks that are working together. You know, you, if you really take the time to step back and pay attention, yeah, you could learn a lot from the people around you. You know, there's a gentleman who worked for me years ago who was a rocket scientist, but wanted to come. And I'm not kidding. Like you say that, right? Oh, what are you a rocket scientist? He actually was, Um, you know, and he came to work at the parks to do something to decompress his brain because Mm. he was thinking of so many complex things that would just, you know, weigh him down that he was like, I just want to come here two days a week and, you know, interact with people and do what I do. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. You know, and things like that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, and again, we just, we are just so appreciative of the fact that you help create a space where for, you know, however many hours we're there, we just get to forget and we really do miss it. And, and, and I, you know, we, we so rarely get truly sentimental on the show, but it, 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 those parks do mean so much, I think to both me and Alex. So So, so Nick, would would you say if you had to imagine a box, all right. And you have to spend time in this box, you're going to get locked in this box for a prolonged period of time. Would you say that Disneyland is your Nick cage? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Alex, of course, is transition. (laughs) You are gross. (laughs) That's such a disgusting. No, I don't want to hear you sip whatever you're sipping. That's freaking disgusting. It's terrible. Yeah. So nice transition, Alex. The (laughs) The theme of today uh we just we want to in in the in the tradition here's a i'll I'll throw you a smoother transition how about this in the theme aj of what you do which is bring magic to so many people we wanted to to talk about a man who has also brought so much magic (laughs) to so many people (laughs) your transition (laughs) he yeah uh, you need to work on that one 
I know he, but I truly, you know, especially watching this movie, uh, when I did, uh, I was like, God, Nick, Nicholas Cage, y'all Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage. What can we say? He doesn't talk about somebody who shows up to work, who shows up to work and work in ways that I'm not even sure his directors asked for. They didn't even need that. And nobody asked for it. Nobody asked like, for it. <laughs> us as a people have not asked for, for what this man is doing. We were just oh, like, man. when we were thinking, when it was it was something when we were choosing the topic for AJ, we were like, okay, you know, what 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 can we do? And we were thinking like, do we want to do something Disney related or parks related? And then somebody had tweeted at me, Nicolas Cage. And I was like, honestly, this would be a really fun one for, for the three of us. Because I feel like, I feel like, again, Nick Cage is just so ludicrous that you cannot help but laugh and have some semblance of joy with mr cage um so we're today's uh, topic of course our favorite nicholas cage ex- i'm not gonna say movie i'm gonna say experiences because his movies are oh, experiences so good you know so good it's really crazy um aj you know without giving away your your choice just yet t- prior to this have you had a lot of experience with the nicholas cage movie uh, you know i i would definitely say i'm a fan of nicholas kim coppola um, oh there he goes get the, i'm get the about nick cage and you know i didn't think i was as about <laughs> nick cage as i apparently am looking at you know his filmography when i was figuring out what to choose that most of the things that were semi-mainstream i really liked i was entertained mm-hmm. by not because yeah. you know it's a <laughs> juilliard level performance but it's just fun. Yes. You know, the quirky mannerisms, that those things that you can look at and go, God, I've seen somebody do that before. How freaking weird is that? Yeah. That's- yeah. He, he's very strange. He's a, uh, I mean, but you know, it's, it's crazy though, because like, so, you know, I went back to, you know, one of Sarah's favorite movies is Moonstruck. And I had not watched Moonstruck in a hot minute. He, it, like, here's the thing. I'm going to say it. He's a talented man. Like truly, like I don't I say that with no facetiousness or anything. Oh, yeah. Like he's super. There's a reason that we that we that he was able to rise to such heights because the baseline was one of like, wow, dude, you actually you're solid. Like you are a solid actor. Well, he's it's funny cuz he's one of those people I feel like like there are there are people who they're maybe not naturally talented but they get to where they are because they they work really hard and they're very serious about their craft and they're and not even just acting like in in a lot of industries there are these people who can push to where they are on their sheer almost narcissistic confidence yes right where they come in the room and they say i'm the best at this i'm gonna i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna do the best they're not worried about what they look like they're not worried about what anybody thinks they're like i'm just gonna come in here and i'm gonna I'm going to knock this out of the park. And Nicolas Cage is kind of a combination of both those things, right? He comes from an actor family, a filmmaker family. Yep. Um, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, um, come on. And there, there's this, this great little thing in his, in his Wikipedia. It says at 15 years old, he tried to convince his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, to give him a screen test telling him, I'll show you acting. Wow. <laughs> his outburst <laughs> was met with silence in the car. I... <laughs> Like imagine, imagine being Francis Coppola's nephew and having the nerve at 15 years old to be like, like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm going to show you how to do this. Like the, the balls on that man. Dude, I love that. I actually love that. It's amazing. And it comes through in his acting, right? Like a lot of his roles, like you can really tell he does not give a crap what you think. 
Like he is going to, he's going to knock the lens off the camera. Like he's just going to come in and be the biggest, best, you know, loudest voice in the room. And yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And it, it actually, you know, the, the Coppola thing or Coppola, how do you pronounce his last name? Coppola or Coppola? Cop- Coppola. Coppola makes sense. Yeah, that's because, you know, what I gathered. Yeah. You just think of, you just think of his work and they actually like Coppola as a filmmaker and Nick Cage as an as an actor are actually not that far off. Like I was no. wa- I was watching I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, <laughs> just, I love that movie. Just how completely gonzo that movie. Do you know what you know what crazy about the I just found this out yesterday. I was watching a, a, a film analysis channel. I did not know this. So this is how crazy Coppola goes. He fires like the professional VFX team that he has on this movie and then hires his 28 year old nephew and just says like, make some VFX for me. Arguable, debatable what this man had any previous experience working (laughs) on films, but like so many of the visuals that you see, the crazy visuals are just his like 28 year old nephew, like messing around. It's insane. I mean, I, the whole family tree is insane. Uh, Obviously you have like Sofia Coppola, who's a very talented director. Roman Coppola is the same thing. Um, but then you've got Jason Schwartzman Wait, is part of the family. How is he really? part Jason of the family? Schwart- Jason Schwartzman uh, is cousins to Nicolas Cage. Of course he is. Coppola. Of course he is. The, he is the son of, of Francis Coppola's sister, I believe. There's a whole I, Wikipedia draws you. One of the related things is is the fa- the Coppola family tree. Oh, I love this. Um, Robert, Cop- uh, Robert Coppola Schwartzman is another one. Okay. It's a very, very... Uh, creative, <laughs> creative family. Wow. You know, and now, now, what I think is also interesting about this, and AJ, you know, I uh, uh, did you find that watching these that you there was because there's different periods of Nicolas Cage, right? Like they're truly, you know, I think, that, and Sarah put it like this: she's like, there's pre Academy Award Nicolas Cage, and then there's post Academy Award, and then there's post post Academy Award. You know what I mean? Like there's that era because I'd say for me, when I think of my favorite Nicolas Cage movie, my movie's going to fall in between 90 and 2000. That's, I think that decade is 90s Cage is the best. I think 90s, I think it has to be 90s Cage is 90s Cage is real cage. Or it's pure eighties. Eighties cage is him is him trying to be an actor, and nineties cage is him having been <laughs> successful at that and being like, okay, like time to do what I want to do. And thousands cages, hey, they're just going to pay me money to do movies. Yeah, two thousand cages. Up. I bought too much real estate, and I have a <laughs> tax bill. <laughs> when I went, so oh my god, one of so New Orleans is my favorite city, right? And I, I, I like you know we go there every year, and I and we love it. One of the things I find fascinating about going to New Orleans is how much property Nicolas Cage so much. has bought in New Orleans. He has bought, so we were, you know, we did one of the best things in New Orleans is a cemetery tour. We go to the, we go, <laughs> we go to the cemetery. I think it's like the St. I forget which one it was, St. Louis Cemetery or whatever it is. And in the middle, the dead middle of the cemetery is what can only be described as almost like a Blade Runner-esque black onyx <laughs> pyramid structure. And, and we were like, what the hell is that? And they were like, oh, that's, uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage bought that plot for himself. <laughs> 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 we were like, of course he did. And then, like, the most haunted house in the entirety of the French Quarter, Madame LaLaurie's place. Yeah. 
he bought it. He bought the he bought the mansion, this mansion where this woman kept slaves in her attic and tortured them in front of her party guests. He bought the mansion at some point. I don't know if he still owns it, but he he had it. Nope. In classic cage fashion, it says that he bought it in 2007 and then sold it in 2009. Oh my god! So, a fleeting focus for him. <laughs> what a what a fascinating uh, good investment. Man. Good investment. Great investment, Nick. But you know, most importantly about Nick is his films that have given us so much, so many laughs, and so just what an, what a, what an auteur, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, what an icon. Yeah. Um, well, and so real quick though, let's yeah. not forget that. He has a kid named Cal L. He does. does he? He's because he is obsessed <laughs> with Superman. He's obsessed with Superman oh and Elvis. Right. He, he was going to be Superman, he, wasn't he? He owned yeah. Action Comics One. He owned a copy. Bought it for one hundred and ten thousand dollars, and then had to sell it to pay a tax bill. Oh my uh, god! Which I think he just perpetually has has tax bills now. Um, he sold it for like two point something million. Jesus, Jesus. Well, he was yeah, he was, and and, and AJ, I do remember because he was doing Tim Burton's. He's going to do Tim Burton Superman. I remember that. Um, and they, I mean, famously have shots of him in, you know, yeah, with long black outfit. hair in the outfit. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I would have, I would have seen that. I would have watched it. I would have been like, this is strange. What a strange choice, but also let's go. You know what I mean? Like, why not? I would totally see a Tim Burton verse of DC heroes. That would have been, I actually think that would be really interesting. I would have been like, okay, let's, let's see what Truth that is. Justice. In the American way. <laughs> yes. So let's get to it. So who uh, who wants to go first? Who wants to who wants to describe the Nick Cage movies or the Nick Cage? Something tells me as as many films as this man has. I feel like we've many, all chosen the choices. Same one. I think we're going to overlap. <laughs> I at least think once. we are yeah. too. Okay. I'm so excited to see. Uh, Al- but there really are so many. <laughs> There's so many to choose. There are truly so many that we could go to. I was, you know, yeah. Uh, Cause there was, there was a moment there where I was going to choose adaptation. Yeah. So I, I had one that I was going to choose and I watched it all the way through. I'm glad we had to postpone recording this a day and I'm glad we did because the, the one I picked, I was like this, it's too good a movie. Yeah. It's to actually be, to be the most Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage movie. Like yeah. it's too well, well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah I need, yeah. I need something more Nicholas Cagey than this. It's so much more. Uh, so, I mean, shoot, I think, I think here's how we do this. I think that Alex, why don't you go first? Why don't you describe it? And okay. if, you know, if, if, I mean, we're going to know from the first shot, if we pick, uh, yeah, I will do the, the, the very opening. It's like the prologue scene. Um, I'll describe it and, and we'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, it's a simple, it's, it's a carnival. It's a fair. There's a merry go round. Oh, come on. Okay. John Travolta. <laughs> John Travolta's on the merry-go-round with a little boy. Ah, all right, it's how all good movies. Face waterfall. Face waterfall. Oh, face waterfall. We cut up the hill. It's almost like JFK esque, right? The grassy oh. knoll. You pin up, and there's that there's that. someone up there with a gun. Oh. We tilt up. Who is it? Oh. It's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That mustache uh, was old. With a giant mustache. <laughs> oh, so good. So oh good. God. Oh, and a fountain drink. And it's oh so my God. good. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yeah. I He takes the shot accidentally, kills John Travolta's son, and then John Travolta spends the rest of the movie being really mad about it. How, that movie. I mean, is how mad? Face off. What's this about, Doctor Walsh? I was just uh, enjoying some of your greatest hits here. Oh, oh I hope you don't mind. I, I, uh, I partook in your groovy, uh, your groovy painkillers. You know, this is fabulous work. This is, this is. Oh, <laughs> bravo, <laughs> bra, fucking bo. Oh God, this is excellent. Bravo. Bravo. What do you want? Take one goddamn guess. Like mad mad enough to take this man's face off. <laughs> and put it on his face. <laughs> and put it on his own face and then and then get his face taken off and put on Oh my god, it's it's such a this movie is such a masterclass in mixing like complex character with complete absurdity. (laughs) Like this could have been in a very different direction, a very like deep movie, right? Like, Oh my God. The the setup, the setup for face off. So, okay. So, so John Travolta plays a, an FBI agent. um, And Nicholas Cage is basically like this deranged, assassin almost like criminal master they don't ever, they never really define like what it is he like steals things and causes trouble and he's completely insane and has a team of henchmen who follow him anywhere and they capture him right nicholas cage they capture him and he's in a coma and they decide they need to find out they they, they discover that his brother and him have planned to blow something up and they need to find the bomb so in pure 90s fashion they have a scientist who says hey we figured out how to give you someone's face you know like basically what mission impossible had been doing for years already they're like we can do this so they literally just laser cut nicholas cage's face off when this is over i want you to take this face and burn it like the science behind it is so long like they're two very different body types right like john travolta is a heftier larger man yeah nicholas cage looks like he's been doing cocaine since the 80s (laughs) and they somehow by by slicing his face off with a laser they put it on and suddenly john travolta is nicholas cage well they told him too that they were going to liposuck some of his areas to right they they try to explain it and there's there's (laughs) something about like a microphone chip being implanted in his you know, they have him like say a few words and suddenly his voice turns into (laughs) it's did did, wait. So, so did you choose this? AJ? Uh, Oh, look, the Walsh Institute 
was very cutting edge. Okay, Dr. Malcolm Walsh <laughs> was pretty much the only guy in the history of ever that could have pulled something like this off. But all that's the easy part. Here's the real science. This is a state-of-the-art morphogenetic template. The inside is modeled on your skull. The outside exactly like Troy's. Then we fit his face on top. Not a replica, but the real thing. Then we simply connect the muscles, tear ducts, and nerves. This is very what? true. And yet not the, the actors yes, were not I the only it. people who, who, who could. Yes, AJ picked it. Um, <laughs> the actors were not the only people who could have pulled this off because, uh, again, this. So how did this get made, which is another amazing, you know, incredible, incredible podcast to whom we owe so much of a debt um, in their look at films and stuff. But uh, they they have a great episode on this. And in that episode, I found out the original people. And do you know who was originally intended for this for this movie? Who? Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Oh my uh, goodness! But there's Stallone no Schwarzenegger. way. See, then it would have it would have been something different. It was originally Stallone and Schwarzenegger, and then it went to and then it was going to be Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, and then they that was during development, and then it went to what? Yep, Nicholas Cage. Can you imagine this movie with Michael Douglas? It's in <laughs> forget Harrison Ford altogether. Just Michael Douglas, uh, Michael face off Douglas face off would have been the face off that we never <laughs> wanted, but deserved. Oh my God. And yet I got to oh. say, Alex, AJ chose this. I did not. You did not. Uh, I did not. Which well, well good. I'm glad. Cause first we'll ever trifecta. One, one more movie to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But look, cause, cause there's also a lot of other Nicolas Cage movies that are very similar to face off, like an absurd action movie absurd over the top you know based on a weird premise that like these movies do very very well for themselves when they come out yeah yeah um face off was was made on a budget of 80 million dollars and it did 245 million dollars at the box office like at the time in the 90s this was like prime action hollywood (laughs) and you watch it now and the whole movie is stunt doubles who do not match they're trying oh my god at, at all at all at all it's uh john woo who is the director his signature doves yep in almost every every fight there is there's suddenly just birds flying indoor fights outdoor fights it doesn't matter there's an explosion and then there's slow motion doves flying across and then someone's jumping out from behind a corner with two pistols and it's absolutely absurd but at the time people were all about it got great reviews it did very well financially like who, yeah. Who do you think who do you think played the better version of the other? Well, this is what I found interesting is like cuz I figure like okay, like that makes sense. Nicolas Cage starts really over the top as a crazy person so that John Travolta can match that and it can be contrasted against his kind of by the book, you know, stoic FBI character. Um you really find out that it's not, it's just, that's who Nicolas Cage is. Like yes. even when Nicolas Cage becomes John Travolta, <laughs> he's, he's still pretty Nicolas Cage. And, and Travolta does his best to like take that on and become this crazy person. Yes. But it, it doesn't really work. Like <laughs> they don't, I, I, in my own personal opinion, I don't think that they, they quite pull off the switch as actors. AJ, do you agree or disagree? I, I, I agree. It's almost like how do you act as Cage? How, right? how do you how, how does Cage <laughs> act as Cage? There, there were definitely some some things about this movie for me. That I so I chose this because my buddies and I. This has been a very quotable movie for us for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know. Uh, I, I will edit in some reasons right now. We'll take a break when the case breaks, okay? I never really enjoy the Messiah. In fact, I think it's fucking boring. But your voice makes even a hack like Hamlet seem like a genius. Dress up like Halloween, and ghouls will try to get in your pants. Bye, bro. Drop me a line sometime. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's crazy, right? Like the the names cracked me up. Caster Troy, you know, <laughs> Pollux Troy. I'm thinking like, yeah. uh, okay, did we just you know roll word dice together to come up with this stuff? But um, <laughs> Greek Greek gods. I like the fact that it's I mean, it's a cage movie, so you're watching it going, okay, this is going to be kind of funny. And you know, you're right; they definitely take some take some turns, but you know, in in Wu style, it's very uh, <laughs> how how the heck did this happen? You know, yes. like uh, yes. the you know prison with magnetic boots. You know, I'm thinking, right? Hey, you know, that's that's okay. I mean, that that could happen somewhere. You know, that's in the middle of the ocean on a looks like an oil oil rig. But, you know, the the other characters were kind of cracking me up, too. You know, like you think, OK, Margaret Cho's in this movie. Yes, <laughs> she's a comedian. Yes, she she's is. great. You know, and I, I actually really like her work. And I'm you know looking like, well, what else has she been in? Well, she's been in some TV stuff. You know, she's a comedian, obviously. 30 Rock, you know, and James Denton. Right. I'm thinking, yes. God, this guy looks familiar to me. What the hell has he been in? I'm like, oh, my God, that's a, a Desperate Housewives guy. Yeah. I forget the yeah. character's name, but, you know, I, and then a Robert Wisdom, who plays Tito. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I remember him. He was in Ballers. He was in Dark Knight Rises, you know, as an officer. I'm like, there, there's so many people in this that yeah. I looked at and was like, what the hell have they been in? And the icing, the icing on the cake for me with the casting, because it, it's brilliant casting. And you know they got it right because the daughter's boyfriend. Oh my god! Tries to force himself on her in the car is Danny Masterson, <laughs> Jesus that '70s show, Christ. who who is now what is he in prison or on his way yeah, he's for been... assaulting women? Like like they oh. they just knew. Hey, somebody. How... How about this, Danny Masterson? How about don't sexually assault people? <laughs> don't assault How about just people? don't do that? We see. We've seen you since 1996. Like, <laughs> like please don't do that. Like, Typecasting, stop, I guess. Stop doing that. Um, here's here's something fun. Here's another fun thing I want to throw at you. Speaking of, this is why I asked this question initially of the casting of what you guys thought, who played the better version. Because, uh, again, this is another how did this get made fact. The last scene of this movie, I believe is the first scene that they filmed. So you would think that if you're doing this movie, you'd want to give the actors a baseline of who they, of who each other's playing so they can imitate it. No, 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 no. We start at the end. <laughs> we right. start- if, if you're taking this concept as an actor, the first thing you want to do probably is get into a room with the other actor <laughs> and learn and how to figure out, like I'm sure that Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan for Freaky Friday <laughs> at some point, at some had lunch point. at least yes. <laughs> before they started filming to say, hey, here's how I'm going to do this before we switch bodies so that you can, you can do uh, it. As a director, I'm sure I want to, I, yeah. I guarantee you they did not have so much as a phone call before no. they started filming. No. Tips, right? <laughs> like, okay, okay, Travolta, here's how you do the crazy cage eyes. 
or yeah. <laughs> your, right, your exactly. cadences go. They're like picking it up as they go, you know, and, and with John Travolta probably paying more attention, right, as he's watching Nicolas Cage work. Yes. And picking up little tidbits so that the performance does shift dramatically scene to scene, like how, how they're doing it. But Cage doesn't really change character the whole time. He's just him. He just walks into the room and he's like, I'm, I'm here now. Exactly. I mean, literally, he just says, I'm here and whatever you're going to get is what you're going to get. You're going to get it. <laughs> oh my God. Just so incredible. Um, yeah. I, I think they, there was a um, nonverbal visual cue that yeah. I think they tried to do where Travolta, when his like, I love you thing is touching their face. Yep. The face waterfalls. Kind of, kind of <laughs> weird, but um, you know, I, I thought that was, you know, a, a nice attempt to try to, you know, differentiate the, the you know, the who is who. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Yet, the, yeah. They tried. They tried. <laughs> it was an they effort. Tried. But, it, but it, it still works. It's still fun to watch. Oh yeah. Cause like, you start to lose track of, of it in your head as you're watching the two of them, you know, face off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. No, uh, it, it stays entertaining the whole time. It's, it's very like the, the structure just works. They're like every scene kind of matters in terms of moving the story forward. Like it, I wouldn't say the movie takes itself seriously, but like they do take themselves seriously. Like they never lose sight of what they're doing no. from an action movie standpoint. There's very little, uh, fluff unnecessary fluff well there's some pretty epic moments too you know if you think about it right like you know in the beginning when they're they're chasing caster troy and he's on the jet and my my thought is okay so did travolta say hey 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 give me a reason to fly a helicopter like figure out how to make this work you know because i'm an aviation (laughs) guy right i mean he just kind of pushes gets the old pilot out yeah jumps in and starts flying the helicopter i'm like okay that was gratuitous yeah (laughs) you're you're an aviator Got it. And not not only that, not only that, but like you basically your first action set piece is most movies final action set piece. Right. <laughs> like you have this massive chase in an airport. First of all, the thing that we're not talking about, let's let's really let's back it up even more. Between between the, you know, Nicolas Cage killing a child and the and, and the jet the jet chase. Heavy. Um we also have the mo- one of the most pervy moments in cinema talking about Danny Masterson. Uh, which is Nicolas Cage in the fu- in, in listening to this choir sing oh. and groping this teenage girl. <laughs> that's when you know you're. That's when you know you're in for a wild, a Nicolas wild Cage ride. Is right? he's walking through this airport for some reason? There's a church choir <laughs> in the airport singing in this giant airport, <laughs> L.A. Convention Center, with oh. Nicolas Cage dressed as this like he's got like greased down hair oh and he's in God. a priest's frock and and. And starts headbanging. There was a- starts dancing and headbanging to this church choir, and then walks up and just starts like molesting verbally first. This, verbally like, molesting her. Well, I mean, like what? Think is about it. Going right? on? What? You know, we're, there's the uh, international church choir conference that was happening at the <laughs> L.A. Convention Center. Um, you know, I mean, it's. it's I, some would argue that's very in line with. Uh, you know, some of those folks, I would think. I, I, it's, I God. mean, listen, that, that statement aside, you know, it, it is true. You, you just, you, you automatically get a sense for what this movie is and where he's going to go. Uh, you it's, know, it's dark. And then there's the really weird scene later after Nicholas Cage's character has taken John Travolta's face and goes oh to his God. home. And you realize that he's like got this weird thing for his teenage daughter. And there's this creepy scene where he comes into the daughter's room and he's like, 
checking her out, but it's as John Travolta, who it's, is like, she thinks that it's her dad. I don't think you heard me, Jamie. You've got something that I crave. Papa's got a brand new band. Oh! It's, and that I will say that is one thing that is effective about the movie is because you do be, because you do such a good job establishing that Nicolas Cage is like batshit insane at the beginning of this film when he is wearing John Travolta's face so much of the te- so much of the tension of Travolta as Cage is are they going to catch him so much right. of the tension of as of Cage as Travolta is oh my god there he is in a room with innocent people and he could do something at any minute. Do you know what I mean? What is he going to do with his daughter and his wife and all his, I mean, like that's mm-hmm. the tension of those scenes. And it really, it really does play. Um, yeah. And he, he went say. totally Ozzy and Harriet with him. Oh my God. <laughs> he came yeah. a little more edgy, you know, it's like, Oh, Hey, they have a family. I'm just going to kind of come right in here and say hey, what's so up. Crazy. You know, Speaking... Alex, you mentioned uh, this is a very, very 90s moment. The, the 90s moment for me was when they find the um, the plans for the biological weapon. Oh, put yeah. that zip disc in. Uh-huh. Thinking, oh, Jesus. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. I remember the zip disc. Those things were, were like thick. They were heavy. They were, they were like the evolution from the floppy disc. Oh, they could zip hold a discs. whole like, you know, five megabytes. Of- oh, yeah. That's how I feel. Oh, that's yeah. how I feel whenever I watch Jurassic Park, and she talks about, "Oh my God, it's a CD-ROM," and you're like, "Oh God, <laughs> get out of here!" <laughs> oh, I love it. This is actually a good segue into my into my choice because uh, my ch- my choice is about family, and oh. um, well, it's about the '90s. It's, uh, you know, we open um, we open with some war footage. And, uh, and we had, we hear maybe it's a general talking. He's just talking about how, what a good job his sh- his soldiers did, and how he's just so excited to get them home. You know, and that's going to be a theme of this movie: is getting home. It's all about getting home. And uh, we uh, we we open on uh, I think it's Alabama or something. Even though there's a river, like there's like a big river, big ocean, you know, in Alabama or whatever that you know whatever southern state this is. Tugboat pulls up to a dock. On this dock is like a bar where a waitress is working and, you know, is being, you know, being hounded by some, from afar, by some bad, bad hombres. And, uh, uh, then, uh, also a fact I said bad hombres. Let's, let's, let's just take a second and realize how Trump has wormed his way into my brain. Never, ever going to say that phrase again, Uh, but bad, yuck, bad guys. And, um, (laughs) uh, Nicholas Cage gets off this boat, hugs his, this woman who we find out is his wife, and um, then these bad men are like, you know, harassing them. And uh, then he's like, you know, just leave us alone, man. And Nicholas Cage is from the beginning, his accent. I don't know what state it takes place in because I don't know what his accent is. He didn't know what his <laughs> accent is. It is disturbing. But uh, we cut to later in the evening. He and his wife are getting in a car uh, to go home. The guys approach them try to entice Nicholas Cage to do a fight. His wife is calling for him to get back in the car. Not going to have it. Not going to have it. Nicholas Cage breaks these guys' arms and then kills one of these men with an with incredible strength, a oh. a punch to the face which shoves the nose bone up into the brain, I guess, and he dies. Uh, I love this movie so much. Yeah. My favorite my favorite part is when the judge says Cameron Poe 
You have pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the first degree. With your military skills, you are a deadly weapon and are not subject to the same laws as other people that are provoked because you can respond with deadly force. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not how it works. That's Peak not action how it works. Uh, of course, we're talking about Con Air. What's this shit? It's my daughter. Well, I don't care if it's a weeper mama Christ. There's no personal possessions on this airplane. Just as long as you know, I'll be getting that back at some point. Are you telling me what I'm going to be doing here, numb nuts? You heard me. Con Air. Air. He gives a great opportunity to show that body, that killing machine Dude, body off with the, the cage. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now. I fully was not prepared for how in shape Nicolas Cage got for this film. I was like, God damn, Nicolas Cage, you went in, like, and unnecessarily so. Like, nobody else, John Malkovich isn't, like, in shape like that for this movie. You mean, like, Danny Trejo wasn't looking like that for this movie, you know? It kind of came and went, though, because, like, he's right in the middle of his action star phase, but this is really the only movie where he looks like he could kill you with his bare hands. With his bare, and he literally looks like, like, convict Jesus wandering around the desert. (laughs) And <laughs> hey, listen, guys, it's he's a deadly, deadly man. He's had very specific military training. Very speci- so specific. Ah, you know, you got Bubba from Forrest Gump looking for his diabetes medication. You, like it's, it was we me and Sarah watched this movie, and it was just it was so it was like chaos. Like it was like an opera of chaos. <laughs> Um, you know, the basic plot is that, you know, Nicolas Cage gets put in, uh, you know, gets put in jail for like seven years and is finally going to, he's finally going to go home to see his, his now, his wife and her, their new daughter. Um, and when he get, you know, he gets on this plane to get, to get back this con, this air, you know, this airplane with a bunch of convicts, of course, this is the plane that John Malkovich as Cyrus the virus is on and has, you know, has planned this incredible, you know, plot to, to take over the plane. And John Cusack is the, is the DEA agent on the ground trying to, trying to, you know, work with Nicolas Cage to get this plane back under control. It's like Air Force One, but like on crack. It's marvelous. And some of the things that happen, like I, but it was truly enjoyable. Like that was the thing that I was shocked at. I was like, this is oh yeah i mean i used to love this movie when i was younger because oh it would be on, on tv all the time i probably had it on vhs or something like that and like it was exciting yeah. to watch like i remember a lot of moments just in retrospect from being from being a kid because like dave Chappelle's there oh my god hey man for some reason, <laughs> hey, like it's so good now look at this walking penis boy you are one skinny negro easy man open shit. up oh man it smells like so much shit in your mouth told me you loved me and yeah, Cyrus the virus. I mean, I, honestly, Air Force One had a similar effect on me. Just this, this, it's such a big idea. Yeah. You know, the 90s was so good for these, for these really big ideas that they pull out because it doesn't matter how goofy it gets. Like, you're just, you're in. You're Guys, in. And go ahead. Buscemi was in this movie. Buscemi. Yes. Let's talk about Ugh. Buscemi. As like the creepy oh my <laughs> Garland God. Green, man. Garland Green. It was like the, the same character from Billy Madison that he played. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And yet he and he's singing, and as the planes he's singing, we he got the whole world. Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> you're just like like he plays essentially like Hannibal Lecter, and he's like having tea time with this child in the middle of the desert at some point. Well, what's what's great is like they cast Cage in this movie. He's the star. He's sort of the straight man against everybody, everybody. he's surrounded by. Like, he's the oh, guy that you're god. supposed to be rooting for, who's the sane, you know, loves his family, like wants to get back kind of thing. 
which is feels very uh, not Nicholas. Not oh. Nic- and and oh. and that's what the problem is because to play that he goes over the top, and right? Like, becomes crazy. Like he he becomes a parody. Like this is the movie in which he became a parody of himself because it's just like you watch him and you're like, sir, there. If you like like let the wind blow through your hair one more time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he just play he plays him like I like I imagine he would have played Superman. Like, it's very just like, dude, you gotta you gotta stop this. This is insane. Now. Well, so like, this is really funny for me. Yeah, I I love Buscemi. Like yeah. Buscemi is that's that's my guy, right? Even though I've never met him, I feel like <laughs> Buscemi's character went directly from Con Air to Armageddon. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, 100%. Like, oh, did they just pick this guy up from having tea in the desert with a little girl? Like, <laughs> that's that's what occurred to me too, was watching this, the the overlap in, in actors between these movies, between all the Jerry Bruckheimer films oh. is is staggering. Like, you get Steve Buscemi, Ving Rhames, like, everybody just shows up in, in Armageddon. I had to think to myself, was Nicolas Cage in <laughs> Armageddon? Like, he Seriously. had to have been considered for he that role absolutely at some had point. To have been because he would have been perfect he would have fit that like a glove oh my oh, god, god. It would have been, you know what but you know what it's a little it was hard because he was a little right bruce willis was in that perfect place where yeah. you'd believe him as that father um because you needed a little more grizzled Nick well cage, like young nicholas cage would have been good oh, for ben affleck's, ben affleck's character in a, in, that. in a heartbeat yeah. oh in a heartbeat. yes um yeah it was just like this yeah what a crazy time y'all and 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 the other on that that's so that's why I chose this movie. By the way, Alex, uh, you mentioned was, um, you know, to me, Face Off is an obviously an amazing showcase for Nicolas Cage, but it's it's he's sharing the billing, and I wanted right. I wanted the movie where it was like Nicolas Cage is at the heart. He's the he's the heartbeat of this movie, and yet even in this movie, I got to give it. You know, John Cusack is always great. John Malkovich, y'all came mm-hmm. to work oh my say there was a disturbance but everything's under control say it or i will kill you without me you got nobody to fly the plane i never think that far ahead and if you say a word about this over the radio the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse he showed up to work on set that day and it it, it is just fantastic malkovich I mean, has range malkovich has yeah, okay, he just oh, shows I mean, up and you're like he, john malkovich i was not expecting you here that that new space force show oh my god he's that he's on is like a, a, oh, a com- it's like an office comedy basically and he's he's amazing i mean and this is the same man who gave us who gave us uh you know lenny from from of mice and men you know what i mean like that's what i'm saying right like, it's he really when you know it we we've kind of lost the age of the character actor you know in terms of the leading man character the, the you know the leading men who really transform themselves like right now that's just not the in thing the in thing is kind of just play variations on yourself which is fine and that that takes just as much effort but like when you get that person who is truly a chameleon and john malkovich yeah can oh, you man, know and now we're starting to connect these dots now and i'm like john malkovich to being john malkovich yep uh to charlie kaufman to being to uh adaptation but yep. then also john cusack was in being yep. john malkovich yep these guys really all they they need to find some new friends well they malkovich is a... pretty awesome anyway i mean yeah. how could you go you know how could you be cyrus the virus and on the same hand be teddy kgb oh I mean, teddy kgb oh, i mean come on i so, do you know. love that film that is that that's rounders right i'm not being crazy yeah. 
Yeah, I love. Yeah. Ra- oh my god, that that movie has a special place in my heart. Um, but yeah, guys. So Con Air was. I, I was just like, that's that is that is yeah pure uncut cage to me. And he is. He did not disappoint. He just my god. If I saw him run away from one more explosion, you know, like haphazard, like just like with like the best sprint in the world. It was just like mm-hmm. it, the movie felt like watching Nicolas Cage watch himself and being like, mm, good. <laughs> like <laughs> you felt dirty. You felt like Nicholas Cage was just so proud of his work. And you're like, Oh, you mess. But I love you. It's like, that um, was a oh, pretty man. good performance. And, there, and there's so many runners. Out. I mean, what's the total count? 110 films. Oh, my God. He's been in. What a filmography. What a, what a work. What a filmography. So the original movie I watched for this, uh, I had never heard of it. And I was, I was looking through, um, lists and this one kept popping up and I was like, I've never heard of this movie. It's called Red Rock West. I've never heard of it. It's from 1993. It had a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, what is this? Uh, Lara Flynn Boyle's in it. Oh my God. Um, it's, uh, it's a Western noir about a guy looking for work. Nicholas Cage plays and Dennis Hopper's in it, which obviously you can't, you can't go wrong with Dennis Hopper. Um, he plays a guy, uh, a former Marine looking for work and he shows up and he gets mistaken for a hitman. Um, and he kind of like, takes the job not really knowing what it is and gets all caught up in this thing and then Dennis Hopper's the real hitman who comes to town like ready to do the job um and it's like a very like subtle well acted noir uh and I watched it and I was like this is this movie's too good <laughs> this movie's too it's like not it's like right before he became Nicolas Cage he was still in that the the cold open though is like him he parks his car in the middle of the desert and it's that early 90s like saxophone kind of music and he just starts working out <laughs> he it. just gets down on, on the road this like highway and just starts doing like one-armed push-ups it's <laughs> like changing his shirt yeah um ridiculous but uh red rock west surprisingly surprising i think it went straight to video when it was made too i mean um it where never, else never where else would theaters. it go where else would it yeah go? Um, exactly well, there's you know, a lot guys, of movies though if you think about it there's a lot of movies you can pick yeah, I mean, I oh, so many. my top three choices. Obviously, I chose um, Face Off, but I would have picked Con Air. I would have picked, you know, National Treasure. I mean, yeah. that's a mm-hmm. great movie. Not, the guy yeah. stole the One Declaration two. of Independence, and that's and, and that's and like the 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 cultural icon that that movie is. Like, oh my god, oh, that movie's still on, on the tips of people's tongue. And that and that's like, to say nothing of the Wicker Man. And uh, true, you know, and then there's Wicker Man, and then there's Wicker Man, and, and there's but so, sometimes he would find you know, Wicker Man was ridiculous, ridiculous, um, but he, he he would find these movies, um, and I would say Con Air maybe even is one of them that that fit that perfect balance between Nick Cage craziness and actual like the movies like Matchstick Men, Gone in 60 Seconds, yep. like where it only makes sense, like Nick Cage makes so much sense and he makes the movie, but it's not like a Nick Cage movie, no, like, it's still. Yeah. It's got some weight behind it. Yeah. Again, um, he can act. It's just yeah. like, he's also, I mean, I don't know this man, but Nick Cage, you seem crazy. And I love that. Oh, I love you for being yeah. crazy. Um, he's, yeah. None of us so, picked The Rock. No, n- not one. But you know what? Again, I just, for me, that movie is all Sean Connery. Like, not yeah. that he's not amazing, but like, I don't, you know, I think he really was in, he wasn't in the driver's seat there. Like he was with right. Con Air and Face Off, um, yeah. Oh my and god! And they're they're very similar movies. Yes, big always. criminal act. Yeah, they always have to do with really weighty criminals, right? Yeah. Just really bad guys and Nicolas Cage. 
I mean, um, yeah. What else? You know what? You know what just occurred? What just occurred to me is the similarities between The Rock and um, Pirates of the Caribbean. In tr- just structurally, uh, yeah. There's a, there's some yeah. to it. There's some. There's some. Well, isn't I guess that I was gonna say isn't isn't The Rock like a breakout movie, but it's a break in movie. Yeah, break in movie. Um, but like anytime, I mean, just just in terms of playing like the the young, you know, the young, yeah. and the and the the antihero. Just a lot of lot yeah, of cool I can things. see that. You know, some yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, and then you know he d- he does he does romance pretty well too against all odds. Yes. Um, City of Angels, I remember maybe because the music was so that yeah. one song um, was so prevalent when it came uh, out. I, but I, like I, totally I remember really like the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, Iris. God, that movie or that 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 song's amazing. And so the movie by I don't even know if I've ever seen it, but I just I know that the feeling it gave me back in the day. Um, and the same thing with like the Family Man, and and he does that. Yeah pretty well the weatherman i love you he's know, played a lot of man you know nick i was thinking too that this would have been uh a sneaky way for you to fit uh into the spider verse in oh i know i know <laughs> so i was thinking I i'm like okay wait is he gonna go it's, there it's, no it's and it's I, I i would but it's it's not it's not I mean, KG. Was, i know it's just not he was him. it's not him he was brilliant in that movie though. i mean he just that was a perfect casting well that movie itself was amazing yeah, that movie yeah we're gonna have to talk about that movie at some point because it's just so good um, that's the best spider-man movie made in my opinion oh, oh yeah i don't disagree one of the best superhero movies yeah easily easily yeah the um, guy was ghost Rider too oh yeah that's right good <laughs> night <laughs> man dude <laughs> if you expand the, if they so if they bring the ghost Rider back into the mcu that's your that's your guy let's get him jeez oh, good lord how um, awesome will that be AJ, it's been such a pleasure having you on this. This wonderful. thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was really awesome. You know, yeah, you you were the best. Um, do you do you want people to follow you on the social medias? Do you? Do I mean, they they can if they want. I'm yeah, what's not your, the what's most your, uh, interesting follow unless you want to see like you know pictures of my kids doing I mean, that's, kid that's stuff. Awesome. Or, you know. Awesome. Well, what's your what's your what's your handle? Okay, it's at. It's at yep. Milla. M I L L A zero four four on uh, Twitter and the gram. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, Alex, as always, you know, I'm going to keep working on that swearing buddy. Yeah, you did. You did pretty well. Dude, You did I, awesome this time. You did pretty well this I, time. You had really like a un Nicholas cage body count in your yeah. uh, swear words. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I really pulled it back, really pulled it back for y'all. You know, who knows what's going to happen next episode, but this time I did it. Did it. Good for you. Thank you. All right, y'all. It's been a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Little Justin. Little Justin. Little Justin. Fuck yeah. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.